Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. The Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I want to summarize today's program by saying this on today's podcast. I will support Donald Trump. However, if the wall isn't built and the budget deficit keeps growing, I will be very disappointed, but I'll vote for him anyway. Why? Because it goes back to when I pushed him for the first campaign. And I said after he won, don't expect to get 100% of what he promises. Can anyone deny I said that? I said no politician can deliver 100% of what they promise. I don't care who it is. They say one thing during a campaign, but can they deliver? Once they win, they're now surrounded by a whole government that is influencing them, not just the electorate and their own wishes. We're not in a dictatorship. So he's being influenced by many, many forces, liberal, conservative, globalist, nationalist, and you're going to get a compromise. That's how our government is designed. It's designed with compromise intended. We never wanted extremism uh, in the White House. Remember that? Okay, we've had extremism. In my mind, we've had some extremism under Obama, and we're trying to correct the direction of the stateship right now. So I said to you, if we got 50% of what Trump promised, we'd be very, very lucky. Then I modified that to 50, to 40, to 30. I said, even if I got 10% of what Trump promised, it would be 110% more than I would get from any of the socialists on the Democrat side. And I would end it by saying the same exact thing is true. I think America is back in many ways. I think our pride is back. I think the military is back. I think group cohesion is back in the military. I think people have more faith in the country. And for those reasons, which are... Uh, moral as much as anything else, the morale rather. The morale of the nation is better than it has been, at least amongst my listeners and the voters for Donald Trump. And I want to thank you very much for listening to today's Savage Nation podcast. 
The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Have you ever heard someone say, gee, I, I wish this double chin would just go away? Look, it's, it's kind of disgusting. I know that. But it's a fact of life. People have turkey necks, sagging jawlines, double chins. But you have something you could do now. It's the new Genucel jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas writes this. She says, I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked for over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I am blown away, she says. Sure, you could use expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that? But listen, right now, get the Genucel jawline treatment absolutely free when you order the classic Genucel for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours, guaranteed or your money back. How? It's simple. Text SAVAGE to 77453. Text SAVAGE to 77453. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 77453. Or go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. And wait, for a limited time, Chamonix will include a second surprise luxury gift for free. Text SAVAGE to 77453. SAVAGE to 77453. Or GenuCell.com. Text SAVAGE to 77453. Or GenuCell.com. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South American, all the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Flash, London. The terms of surrender for the Italian army in Ethiopia have just been handed to Mussolini's representatives. This will give England about 38,000 prisoners, bringing the number of Italians captured in Ethiopia to 200,000. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the Savage States of America. day for all of you out there in savage land as i had promised last week in studio with me uh today normally i'm here alone with an ailing dog if that i am with a a columnist for the new york times can i give your name jeremy reporter reporter, reporter. i don't know the difference between a reporter and a columnist but he is a reporter for the new york times now many of you would say why would you let the enemy into your gates and i will tell you that I take a chance on speaking to people whose politics may be different than mine. And I don't even know what his politics are. How do you like that? I do know that Jeremy has interviewed the president. The president has sat with him, right? He has sat with other figures who are well-known in the conservative world. And I have faith that he will not change my words. He said, your words are your words. So that's that. But I'm asking you a question today on the Savage Nation Have Trump's weaknesses on immigration and the budget made you think twice about voting for him in 2020? I also will ask you again to not see me as a Benedict Arnold because I don't believe in worshiping a man. I only worship God. And the policies are why I voted for Trump. And what you're about to hear on the Savage Nation is historic in that there are many Johnny-come-latelys in the conservative radio business in particular who stabbed Trump in the back for a year straight who mocked you, ridiculed you, called you every name under the sun, and now they're, of course, Trump's greatest supporters because they want they want to curry favor with him so that they get invited to the inner circle in the White House and other places. They're hoping for appointments in the administration. One of them would probably like to be attorney general. You have no idea what people will do 
to get something. I want nothing from Donald Trump. I like Donald Trump. I will vote for Donald Trump. But I have trepidations about the Eddies out there who may not vote because they've been screwed before by politicians like George Bush, for example, who said, read my lips, no new taxes. Well, I tweeted a few weeks ago, read my lips, no new immigrants. People saw that. And I think it's a great weakness of the president. Now, hold on. Hold on now. You're saying it's not his fault. And I would agree with you. It's not his fault. The judges have blocked him. The opposition has blocked him. The Better Business Bureau has blocked him. The RNC has blocked him. They want open borders. The question is, what can he do? And if he doesn't succeed in closing the border rapidly, and I don't mean by 2020, I mean pronto, will you come out and vote for Eddie or Edith? I also asked you yesterday, what questions or comments do you have for the reporter who was here from the New York Times? And we were flooded with what I thought were rather intelligent comments and questions. I didn't... I didn't get too many stupid people on Twitter, which is quite unusual. And one of them said this. Tyler James tweeted the following. Tell the reporter, thank you for covering a man who played possibly a bigger role than any other media figure in getting the current president elected. If Dr. Savage were liberal, he'd be on the cover of Time magazine with the title, The Man Behind the Movement. Another one wrote, make him play with Teddy for a couple of hours. See how that goes. <laughs> Another one says, my, com- my comment to the reporter is he'd better do your story justice. What's his opinion on media consolidation and the recent projection that local papers will be out of business by the end of next year? You know, that's an important one for another time. The New York Times as a print edition was faltering like all newspapers were. But surprisingly, it's actually making money on, in its digital edition, which is very interesting. Now, you may say, why are you currying favor with the New York Times? I'll tell you why. Because if we do not talk to the people who we deem to be our political opponents or our enemy, whichever way you want to put it, what chance does this nation have for dialogue? And I'm a believer in dialogue to solve all problems in the world. If you demonize the enemy, all you do is make the enemy worse. As Goethe wrote in the 19th century, if you take a man as he is, you make him worse. If you take a man as he can be, you make him what he can be. And I've seen that in my whole life. So we're not going to vilify. We're not going to typecast. We're just going to talk today. And I'm going to begin with something that I think is historically important in the political world, which is this. Many of you may not know it, but Donald Trump was on this show in 2011. That is right. I had him on this show going back to the year 2011, long before he even announced he wanted to be president. Now, why would I have had him on? And did I just ha-ha him and just shake his hand and have fun and talk about silly things? No. What he and I talked about, you'll hear in a minute, were substantive issues, very substantive issues, such as issues on China trade, on uh, on uh, Russia. You're not going to believe what you're about to hear. His, the Savage Nation's first interview with Donald Trump, where I said, run the country like a business in 2011. Let's listen. Joining us right now is Donald Trump. Run the country like a business, not an empire. There's only one man I know who can do it, and that is Donald Trump. Well, you and I had one point that we disagreed on, where you said you cannot buy anything made in America anymore. And I said, Mr. Trump, you're wrong about that. You can buy a congressman. Well, that's very true. (laughs) It's sadly true. You know, in my book, Trickle Up Poverty, Mr. Trump, I ended by saying run America like a business, not an empire. And I went on the air tonight and I said, I finally have found a businessman who I think who I think could run this country not only like a business, but as a business, because it is a business. Every nation fundamentally is a business, but you can't run a business at a loss, uh, hmm. let us say, forever, can you? 
Well, I'd also say a business with compassion, because there are certain times where government really can help people, and that's a great thing. The truth is the United States is a whipping post for the rest of the world, and the reason is because our people aren't smart enough or tough enough to do something about it. Now, I I don't know if you listen carefully, folks. Some of you probably heard the key point of that. When I said to, to Mr. Trump at the time, run the country like a business, he said, yes, it should be like a business, but with compassion. That's a very critical element here because he's being accused of being an uncompassionate man. Uh, but he said that as uh, a man long before he was a candidate. Think about that. So those are his core beliefs. Now, maybe he was thinking of running in 2011. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I have no idea why he came on the show in 2011, but we didn't just ha-ha each other. And there was substance. Now, listen to the rest of it in the next clip. It's very short as we talk about China and China trade in clip two on the Savage Nation. Remember, though, this is from the year 2011. Michael Savage and Donald Trump. I said to you, where do you stand on tariffs with regard to Chinese goods? And you didn't blink. You didn't mince words. Tell the audience what you think should be done. Well, look, nobody is hurting outside of OPEC this country more than China. What China is doing to this country is absolutely a Oh, let's stop right here. We don't have enough time to play all of these tapes. But they're all here, and it's on record. And the reporter has been given the tape, I believe, or he's going to have the MP3. He's doing an extremely detailed, complex piece on uh, the relationship between you, the audience of the Savage Nation, and myself, to be honest, and what's going to happen in 2020. Now, I asked him point blank, are you here to try to show there's division within the Republican Party and that uh, Savage's audience, amongst others, are nervous about Trump and they're not going to vote for him? He said, absolutely not. He said, that's not his position. That's not what he's writing about. He's going to write about I don't know what he's going to write about. I think he wants to know certain things about the uh, Republican people, the conservative people, and where they might be in 2020. But I don't think he's preloaded his decision on what he thinks is going to happen. And I'm looking forward to a uh, a fair uh, discussion. I, w- I will say this before I take your calls, because I've asked you a key question. Have Trump's weaknesses on immigration and the budget made you think twice about voting for him in 2020? These are huge weaknesses. There is no wall. There's not even a speed bump. The budget is out of control. These are big issues to me, and I think they'll be big issues to others. But I want to be very clear. I am going to vote for Donald Trump because even if I continue to get just 10% of what I hope I could get from the president, to me, that's 110% more than I would get uh, from uh, whoever's going to be the candidate on the Democrat side who will take us in other directions, another direction. Now, by the way, there were elections in Europe yesterday that are very telling as to what's going on here in America. And I think Donald Trump had a lot to do with what happened. The elections in Europe tell you a lot about about what's going to happen here in 2020. What were the key issues that brought the right wing to power, or if you want to call it nationalist to power in Europe? Immigration, immigration, immigration. Trade agreements with the United States. Global warming, meaning either the myth or the belief in such. Regulation of the tech industry was very, very big in Europe. And of course, Brexit. Of course, Brexit has nothing to do with us. But uh, these issues are critical to the election in 2020. What are they again? Immigration, 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 trade, 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 global warming. Is it real or false? Should we change our economies for something that is scientifically not proven? And I think way down on the list is regulation of the tech industry, although I, for one, would like to see uh, big companies like Facebook broken up and, and them paying their fair share of taxes. But that's a topic for another time. What's important here right now is you, the listener, 
Let's take the callers as they've come in on the program. Tony in Missouri, uh, line three. Go ahead, please. Please identify yourself, Tony. What are you saying? Uh, my name is Tony. I'm a truck driver from St. Louis, and uh, I will vote for Trump again. I voted for him on the last round. I voted for Obama twice. And uh, hmm. I just think that he's being uh, obstructed by what he's trying to accomplish. Wait, wait, who's being obstructed? Obstructed? You mean you think Trump is being obstructed by, by the Democrats? Yes, exactly. Now, why, why would you as a black guy who voted for Obama have voted for Trump? Why did you go to Trump? Because I like what he was saying and I, I, I believed in him. And so far he got in and he does, I'm 42 years old. He's the only president in my life that and actually got in there and done what he said he was going to do. And all the rest of the stuff that he's trying to do, they're trying to stop him. they stopping him from doing it. Are you doing better economically than you than you were under Trump? Are you doing better? Yes, yes. I don't open up a business. I got my own trucking business. And hmm. uh, uh, a lot of young black guys, as myself, that's doing the same thing under the Trump administration. And, you know, and it's... And it's more and more blacks that are starting to get in tune and starting to get away from the idiot box and, you know. That's interesting. Now, why, are you, why do you think you're doing better? Is it because the economy is booming? Yes, exactly because of the economy is booming and the regulations have been lifted. Ah, deregulation, deregulation. How about your taxes? Have they actually gone down? Um, a little bit. It's kind of like, like neck and neck. From when I was a W two, I'm a 1099 now. So it's, it's, it's so it's not taxation per se that is helping you. It's the fact that a rising sea raises all ships, and the economy has gone up, and you have gone up with it. In in basic, simple terms, as as I'm trying to summarize, would that be correct? Exactly. The company. Well, I thank you, my friend. You see, now that was an atypical caller. I never would have expected that. I none of these calls are preloaded, preplanned. They're coming in from around the country. We'll go again to the same question. Has the swamp, I'll add, uh, actually I'll add things to the, have Trump's weaknesses on immigration and the budget made you think twice about voting for him. The last caller said, no, he's going to vote with it. No matter what, he loves it. He's doing better. But I'm going to add some other questions. If the wall is not built, can Trump get reelected? Has the swamp swallowed Trump? What are Trump's successes and failures? What questions or comments do you have for the New York Times reporter who is sitting in uh, right now on the Savage Nation? We're having a little fun in here. There's a photographer here who is wandering around the studio in the house uh, taking pictures of things. I have no idea what he's rifling through. Blair, go find out where he is. Now, we told him to go upstairs and take a picture of the wall. You know, every book that I write, if it's a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list, which is the standard for bestsellers, I've had 14 of them, by the way. I have a framed picture of the book cover with the list showing where it was in the list, and I have them all framed on one wall, right? It's really, I call it my Academy Award list. That's the one I want people to understand how important this all is to me and how important the callers are and the ideas that we express. Please don't underestimate the power of the Savage Nation audience. It's very, very important you understand that while this is not the biggest show in the country, it may be the most thoughtful Okay, now let's take some callers on the Savage Nation, on the swamp, on Trump getting reelected, things like that. Sharon in San Francisco, line four, make it 30 seconds or less. Go ahead, please. 
Yes, I'm a lifetime listener of yours, and I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is an armpit at this point. Sorry to hear it. Okay. And I'm wondering, I really like you, but I'm wondering why you're losing confidence in Donald Trump at this point. Well, I'm losing confidence in the people around him who have not uh, provided the wall that I was promised. I agree with that. I am losing confidence in the people around Trump because they're running the budget out of control. And I think we need to rein in the budget and build a wall in plain English. Right. I understand all that. But the thing is, he's the leader. He can only do what he, you know, what he's not ham. I'm not blaming. Did you hear I'm not blaming him? Do you understand that? You know, let me explain something. No president is a dictator, which is the way our system is, is, is divide, uh, created. He has many, many forces around him. And I'm afraid right now the globalists have gotten control of his foreign policy with regard to war. I do not like the war machinations. I do not like John Bolton's tendencies towards militancy. I've said that before. Uh, when I met Mr. Trump in the White House, he said, Michael, I'm surrounded by globalists and nationalists. And he said, I make up my own decisions. Well, right now, it looks to me like the globalists are pushing our foreign policy. And I don't like the direction. And as far as the budget goes, I'm not very happy with the budget deficit. Are you? Not really, but, you know... Well, so listen to me. Listen to me. This is so important. By raising issues like these, I may be influencing his decisions. I'm not saying he's listening to me on Air Force One right now or listening to me in Japan, but this program is being recorded, and there are people in the White House who I happen to know are listening to the show, and they want to know what you think, and they want to know what I think. And I'll tell you what I think right now. They know I'm a man who will say it like it is, and what I think is what I will say. I'm not calculating nor conniving for a pat on the head, nor another bowl of ice cream. I care about the nation and the direction it is going in. Savage. Donald, listen, how would you defuse the situation now between Russia and the U.S., assuming the world doesn't blow up before before January? What would you do if you were president? First day, what would you do with Putin to stop this these war drums? Well, the problem is we have Putin has no respect for Obama at all, doesn't like him and doesn't respect him, and Obama doesn't like Putin, but they, they have a great dislike for each other, and Putin has no respect at all for Obama. And I think that... You can, you have potentially a really catastrophic situation here, I'll be honest with you, because those two are not... I will say this, if I win on November 8th, and hopefully every one of your listeners is going to go out, we're going to need everybody. Absolutely. So Republicans have a tougher path, you know that, to get there. Yes. But yes. if I win on November 8th, I think I could see myself meeting with Putin and meeting with Russia prior to... The start of the administration, I think it would be wow. We- that's an amazing. That's an amazing news story. That's fabulous, Mr. Trump. Savage. So there, there's your collusion right there. Donald Trump said that if this was before the election, that if he wins, he's going to meet with Putin. Ooh, Mr. Mueller, are you listening? But that's one of the reasons I promoted Donald Trump. I wanted dialogue between America and Russia. Do you understand that, folks? Do you understand that Hillary was calling Putin Hitler? The Democrats were calling Putin Hitler. The Democrats were screaming for war with Russia, whether it was in Ukraine through a factotum or with Russia directly. Russia is our natural 
ally. They were our ally in World War II. They were our ally against ISIS. They were the ones who started to defeat ISIS while Obama was dragging his heels. So I love the fact that Donald Trump said he would meet with Putin. Okay, so that's what he said on the show. He would meet with him if he was elected. Now, remember, that was before the election. It was like a couple of days before he came on the show, or I don't know whether that was the day of the election. I don't remember. He came on the show on the day of the election because the Florida vote was so critical, and I had five stations at the time in Florida, and they very, very cleverly understood that. So, okay, we we helped put him over the finish line. Others worked very hard as well. Well, here we are now. Here we are now. We're talking about uncharted territory, aren't we? Going forward, 2020. Now, look, I don't want to spend the rest of my years on radio between now and 2020 talking about an election that hasn't even occurred. Do you realize that this is not something the average person thinks about? They're not going to be thinking about the 2020 election until Labor Day in 2020. That's the way America always has been. We're just kind of laid back about this. We're not as obsessed with it as talk show hosts are or as cable channels are or as reporters are. But yet it's a topic for today because the reporter here is covering this. And so, yes, it's uncharted territory, and we are talking about the battle that's upcoming. And I believe that the populist victory in Europe is indicative of the fever here in America right now between populists and internationalists or globalists, if you want to put it that way. Dallas, Texas, Sean, what about you? Are you still as enamored of the president as you were when you voted for him? Definitely not. I will uh, almost 100% begrudgingly vote for him again. However, when you say grudgingly vote for him, what's the grudgingness? Well, I mean, it's hard not to look at the policy and the personnel in the administration and see it's flooded with Bush globalist Republicans. You know, that's the difference here. You know, it's not even left or right. It's globalist internationalists versus well, when you say Bush people in the Trump administration, and by the way, I did the, I did say this a few weeks ago. I almost said it's as though George Bush, it's almost as Jeb Bush has won on, on immigration. Didn't I say that on this show? Absolutely. And I couldn't, you know. I've, and who are the people from the Bush administration who have seemed to have suddenly been uh, anointed by Trump and are steering the administration? Who are they? I mean, Bolton is the biggest name you can think of. But there's oh boy. even at lower levels that we don't even really know about, but you can see how the policy is rolled out. You know, the Chamber of Commerce Republicans is another way to look at it. It's not. I agree with you 100%, and I think people need to understand there's a nuance here that's not generally seen by the, the diehard true believers who will vote for Trump no matter what, which is great. I want him to win. I want to be clear about that. I am not a Benedict Arnold, and I will vote for him, and I will support him. However, the however is I still want immigration controlled because we can't afford the floods of poor coming into america when we have millions of our own laying in the streets of america and untreated let us say in hospitals we need to take care of our own first that's number one we can't take care of every person on the earth who needs something so that's why immigration is so important to me the budget's very important because remember i want to ask you people out there one key question if hillary clinton was the president right now we had a two trillion dollar deficit a $20 trillion deficit, excuse me, and it was growing, and there were no constraints on the growth, and they were printing money like it was paper. Tell me what you would be saying. It Wouldn't it be an issue? What's odd to me is it's not an issue for conservatives, and it's not even an issue for, for liberals. Why are the liberals not talking about a budget blowout like this? Have you heard one Democrat candidate talk about the budget deficit and, and out-of-control spending? I haven't. I think that's a huge issue. Now, maybe... You don't think it is. I do. 
And so I'm asking you again what you think. And that will be the callers that we're getting right now. Manny in New York on Line 8. Manny, thanks for listening. Uh, what's on your mind, Manny? Yeah, I'm, Michael. I'm a conservative independent, which is why you know I only listen to your show. I mean, I came from when Trump came out of the gate, the first thing before any of my friends or any of my family supported him, I was there right away, immigration, immigration, immigration. But looking down the line, you know, two, three years later, the two most important things for the future of our country, and I'm a type of guy, you know, I always think about my future, down the line is immigration one the landscape of our country and the debt you know the debt which is uncontrollable the inflation things you know people wondering why prices are rising and why do you care about immigration tell me personally why do you care about that what what's it to you i look at the landscape of our country and i see how the people coming in i mean i see them in new york where i am i see it all over do they assimilate no well they live the way of life you know the way we live are you are you, are you who was the nearest immigrant in your family? The nearest immigrant in my family? My dad is actually an immigrant from uh, Israel, but um, and my grandparents... Oh, hold it. From so, wait, wait, let's go back in time. This is I'm going to play devil's advocate because it could easily be thrown at me or you. When the Jews first came to America in great numbers, weren't they considered really horrible people? They're not going to assimilate. They speak a weird language. They're dirty. They don't speak English. I, heard, I mean, if you study history, by the way, this has been going on since the 1800s about immigrants. What did they say about the Irish when they first came here? They considered the, they said dogs and Irish need not apply. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. Do that. you know what was said about Italians when they came here? That what kind of derogatory names were given to Italians without papers? You know where that word, that acronym came from? Without papers. What did they say about Italians? They're all dirty. They're all criminals. They're all uh, going to destroy America. Wasn't that true then? So what is the difference between then and now, people would say? Aren't these folks from Central America the same? The answer is no. And why is it no? For one, the society is different. We, we had no welfare system in place then. I've tried to say that over and over again. The people who came over then came here and broke their backs to work. There's not a person listening to this show whose grandfather or great-grandfather or great-grandmother or grandmother didn't come here with nothing in a pocket and make a life for themselves. But they work 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So in that regard, that's what we're talking about, which is work, work, work. There was no welfare system then. Am I right about that? A hundred percent. That's one which I don't hear. So that's a big difference. We can't afford to take care of the world's poor. Secondly, remember the movie The Godfather when little Vito Corleone comes over and he is seen to be sick by the inspector. He's put in quarantine. Remember that? Why is there no quarantine today when people are coming over the border with serious illnesses such as what? Tuberculosis is resurging. Zika came in from Honduras. It had never existed here, by the way, until Obama brought in trainloads of people, again, swept under the rug by the CDC. So there are real problems here and real differentials, I think, between the waves of immigrants today and the waves of immigrants in the past. And by the way, and this is a sore point that I could easily be attacked in the wrong manner for this. I have to say it both for the audience and for the reporter, because I've said it before and I'm on, I'm on record. I am still waiting for an Einstein to appear from the waves and waves and waves who have come in. I'm waiting for a Stravinsky to appear. I'm waiting for a Madame Curie to appear. Where are they? Well, Madame Curie was an immigrant. Let's talk about immigrants like Enrico Fermi, immigrants like Albert Einstein, where are they amongst the waves that have come in from these Central American countries? Are we to believe that it's because of, quote, racism that they have not appeared, that the white man is keeping them down? I, wouldn't, I, won't, I won't accept that at all. There's something wrong with this picture. 
And I think the wrong part here is that uh, Fermi came here as an educated physicist. Einstein came here as a successful physicist. We're not getting the educated classes. We're getting people who are, who are illiterate in Spanish in Honduras. Most of them are illiterate in Spanish in Guatemala and Honduras. They're not wanted in their own country. They, then they can't take care of them in their own country. So what are they going to do here? How are they going to work if they're not even literate in Spanish, I'm asking? These are issues that need to be discussed, and they're very uncomfortable issues. They're easily misconstrued, and the person raising them is easily called a racist. If that's your answer, then you know what? I don't even want to talk to you. I think we need to have a reasoned conversation about immigration. Sherilyn in Santa Cruz, California. God forbid. Welcome to the Savage Nation. How do you survive in Santa Cruz? Very carefully. (laughs) My (laughs) parents came here from Palermo, Italy. There was no welfare. My grandmother worked as a seamstress for 30 years at Macy's. My grandfather was a janitor. My great-grandparents spoke Italian, but they learned English, and they never took a vacation. They worked, like you said, seven days a week. They picked the tomatoes from the backyard. They never got hungry, and uh, it was a great life. They were always happy, but uh, we were well-fed. And so what's your what's your, so what about Trump? I love Trump. I think I voted for him in the last election. Uh, I turned my liberal husband into into a conservative. He voted for Trump. He voted for Obama. We got in a fight. Are you uh, still married? For a month. <laughs> <laughs> are you we still are together? Still yeah, we are still together. But so he, you're going to vote for Trump again in 2020, no matter what, because he's the best choice we have, right? Well, he's he's he has all these obstacles put in front of him, and uh, right. the guy doesn't uh, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't own anybody anything. He's there for the American people, unlike Beautiful. Nancy and every all the other creeps that are in there. <laughs> well, wait, Nancy's one of your people, isn't she? Oh, unfortunately, uh, when Gavin Newsom ran for governor, he didn't even write a blurb in the pamphlet that we got. I voted for Cox. He got, I think, 32 percent of the vote. But but again, you know what? I'd like to have Gavin on this show very soon. I, I'd like to have a discussion with Gavin Newsom. That would be a lot of fun about what people uh, like my listeners think of the direction of California. People are now calling it not not Calixico, but Calazuela. Do you know that? Have you heard that phrase? Yeah, they're calling California Calazuela. Let's hope to God we're not eating zoo animals in a few years. All right. Thanks for that call. Again, we're asking key questions. and I'm not going to repeat them. Let's go to Indiana. Justin, line one. Quickly, what's your position? Go ahead, please. Michael, when I voted for Trump in 2016, I really didn't know what to expect, but I kept telling people, I do not want to see Hillary win. Let's just go and vote for Trump to make sure we don't put Hillary in office. So and you're saying your, yours was a default vote? Yes. It, okay, so so wait, is that what you're saying you'll, you're going to do again? is you don't want a Democrat under... No Democrat? Would you vote for any of the Democrats? No, and I really don't want to see Sanders win either. That's the scariest sight for me right now, is I'm afraid the end of this election, that's what it's going to come down to, Trump and Sanders. The seltzer man versus the businessman, okay. Yes. The old New York seltzer man coming off the truck with the rumpled suit, the tuna fish stain on his lapel making believe he's a man of the people. Okay, that's going to be an interesting debate. Sanders is very smart. He's very clever. And it would be a very interesting series of debates. I think Trump will I think Trump will do very well against Sanders in many different ways. Sanders has huge vulnerabilities that have not been exploited. 
for example, remember he attacked millionaires and billionaires for a long time till he became one? I mean, that's a vulnerability, which is, although I have attacked millionaires and billionaires, that is true. The fact of the matter is, now that I am a millionaire, I personally will tell you that anyone can become a millionaire if they write a best-selling book. So I'm no longer attacking millionaires and billionaires. I'm only attacking billionaires and trillionaires. I want to make that very clear. I mean, that's what's going to be an easy one for Trump. Very easy to do that one. Savage. You know, there's a big emptiness in what we are talking about. And the emptiness are the silent people out there who don't call radio. And I am talking about the Eddies and the Ediths out there who I appealed to in the last, before the last election. I said, you set out the last few elections. You think it's all bull crap. That no matter who you vote for, you're going to get screwed. The power structure is going to do what they want. You voted for Bush, no new taxes, and you got taxes. And I said to you, please go out and vote. Take one more chance. Do it one more time. Remember? Now, I'm going to ask you again, the Eddies out there and the Ediths, are you going to sit out the election if he doesn't give you the wall as the number one issue? Or would you vote for him anyway, whether you get the wall or not? I have not heard anyone calling on that yet. That's the issue. Now, I know Congress is the problem. I know the media is the problem. I know they were relentless in destroying him, uh, and, and they drove him crazy. And I don't know how anyone could take the pressure he was under. I've said as much to the reporter. I think he's a very strong, powerful man, but there's enough is enough already. But do you think that the people who sat out elections prior to Trump are going to sit this one out if he doesn't give them the wall, they're going to say, what the hell is the difference? Or they're going to say, we have no choice. Is it really tribalism right now? Is it the A's versus the B's? Is it the D's versus the R's? Is it rah, rah, sis, boom, bah? Is it just tribalism, our tribe versus their tribe? Uh, MSNBC would say, we want anyone but Trump. We don't care who it is. We don't care whether we like the candidate or not. You are saying, in essence, we don't care who it is on the other side. It's anyone, but we're going to vote for Trump no matter what. We don't care who they run. I think it is tribalism at this point. I don't think people care very much about the issues as much as I think they do. I came into the show thinking that maybe you cared that much about the wall and that I was afraid for Trump that if he didn't give us the wall, you wouldn't vote for him. But having listened to you for an hour now, I wouldn't say this is a representative sample of all the voters. I would say it's a representative sample of my callers, which is a very skewed population. You've said to me that no matter what, you're going to vote for Trump. That's what I just heard. Is that indicative of the nation as a whole? I do not know. We'll have to see as time goes on. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>